a cuppa and a good chinwag? The story has real-life stories to inspire and make you smile. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Let me say a special welcome back to 2020 to Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Hello, Charles. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Neil. Good to be back. Charles, it is a good day in the sense of uh, monitoring these breaking news stories and uh, some of these actually going in a good way. It's not something we're always used to. Oftentimes we're talking about how much pressure we're under, but let's talk through the good news where the push to make Tasmania the first state to ban gender being recorded on birth certificates is now likely to fail. Uh, what's the uh, What's the update that you have? Yes, well, Labor has withdrawn its support uh, of the Greens, uh, the Greens proposal on this, and uh, and it, in favour of giving parents the choice, uh, so parents don't have to state the gender of their child when they register the child, but um, the choice will be with them rather than it being legislated out. So uh, that is a good thing. Um, it certainly is a good thing. Um, and yet, um, uh, you know, there's always a mix. This is the thing about politics is there's all it's kind of like a chess game, isn't it? That you've kind of, uh, you know, you kind of stop a push in one area and another one pops up because the, 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 the amendment that's been moved by Labor and the Greens now is to remove the need for people to have gender reassignment surgery in order to change their official gender. So a person can just decide that they uh, that they think of themselves um, as um, as the opposite gender, and that they can use that as the basis of changing their official gender status. Now, um, th- this is something the Labor Party is um, supporting, and um, so uh, on the one hand they gave with one hand, and they took in t- trying to take away with the other. <laughs> um, so um, the spokesperson for the Labor Party um, has uh, has regarded some feminists who are concerned about the fact that allowing biological men to change their gender merely by, by self-identification and saying, I, I feel like a woman, therefore I am a woman, that this really endangers female-only services. You know, uh, women understandably want uh, women-only gyms or that women-only toilets or these sorts of private areas. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there are already cases in point, like there's one case in the UK where a man identifying as a woman um, uh, as a, and a prisoner was in a woman's prison and behaving in, in, an, in a not very female fashion toward the other uh, prisoners. So th- this is going to happen. Um, it, it's going to happen, but sometimes, you know, re- reality must be the, um, the, the wall con- upon which people bump their heads. Well, as soon as you mess with common sense, you're going to run into all sorts of scenarios that will create lots of good things, I guess, to talk about when it comes to a radio program, but you really want the common sense to prevail. It looks like common sense could be prevailing in this instance in Tasmania, and perhaps it is a, a battle one, but I'm sure there's a war that continues on because uh, these things uh, tend to be relentless, don't they? And they continue to keep uh, raising their head, and there's always a new angle to, to uh, for progressive people to push their agenda. Yes, I, I, I make the point, and I don't know whether this is a helpful analogy, but that, that, that gender is the current frontier of what I call social boundary riding. You know, it's uh, where people are riding the boundary looking for the hole in the fence. Um, uh, the hole in the fence in what we might call social uh, structures 
as a way of kind of um, radicalizing society and breaking it down. Because there's no doubt about it that what this is about is it's not actually about gender, although it looks emotively like gender and people would say, how dare you say it's not about gender? But um, the, the sad reality is that this is a political game and um, that the, it's using gender to uh, destabilize society. And, and the, 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 look at how we feel about all this stuff. It, it raises our anxiety levels, our blood pressure. It, it makes us feel bad people because we're so confronted and conflicted uh, in our opinions. And the, the whole climate of society becomes uh, tense and, uh, and uncomfortable and uh, we feel like we can't talk about things in case we put a foot wrong. All this sort of stuff is going on. And, and, and this process is actually uh, a way of, um, of drawing and, and, and sucking the power and the unity out of a culture and a society and making people feel that, uh, that, that it's very fragmented and it's, uh, and it's almost ungovernable. And this, and and the people that want to destroy Western society, um, they, that that hate what we value and what we stand for, they don't care that that uh, that people are getting caught in the cogs here. But, um, and uh, I I have a great deal of sympathy for people who who feel because they get caught up in the gender game, you know, and they start to think, well, I think that's how I am. I feel I feel like a woman. I'll go and. Um, get you know I'll go get my gender reassigned. The facts are now, although they're not being published um, much, but it came up recently in, uh, in, uh, on uh, on a reputable website that that, um, that that there's an increased number of people who have had gender reassignment surgery that are going back and asking if it can be uh, it can be returned to they are reversed. And um, so these are these are tragic, and I think they're cynical and they are irresponsible social and political trends. Well, I love your terminology, uh, the idea of a frontier of social boundary riding, uh, testing and checking for holes in convention. And you know what? In politics, that's what we ought to appreciate is happening, and it happens on both sides when there is opposition uh, office to be held. But uh, the idea of vigilance... Vigilance does come at a price, and if there is social boundary riding, and if there are holes in the fence to be found, then somehow or other those holes need to be patched, don't they? And uh, they need yeah. to be filled so that, that the holes don't exist there anymore. And I suppose this, you know, this uh, tension that's going on actually, it could you could see a, a, there is actually a bright side to that. Well, in a way, it is because, in a sense, it is it is challenging us to be a more just society or a more responsible society. And you know, this is very much what's happening in the what we might call the the global Christian identity. That there's a lot of boundary riders that are finding, and frankly, they're finding holes you can drive a truck through all over the the, the Christian uh, community's uh, life in society. You know, we don't do. We, we, you know, I know. I'm sure you know what I mean by this. That the Christian uh, community, in the broader sense of the word, we make our share of faults and failings and mistakes, don't we? And and what this does is it creates uh, it creates a very fertile environment for for criticism, for judgment, and for trying to burn the whole house down. You know, because some kid is out in the backyard um, throwing rocks. Um, that's a reason to evict the entire family. That kind of mentality. Get rid of Christianity because there are a few bad apples in the barrel. And uh, and I mean, I think the thing is true about um, you know um, uh, the, the challenges of. Um, 
uh, of the last uh, inquiry into sexual abuse in institutions. Uh, you know, people hardly know that that was uh, in institutions generally, including government institutions. Uh, it's all been about the sins of the church, and and certainly we we are uh, to be held to a higher standard. I, I, I think that that that, it, that is not uh, an inappropriate expectation, uh, but um, the whole truth. Uh, needs to be told and part of the whole truth is that the church is made up of ordinary people sometimes people who are, have got the same kinds of moral flaws uh, uh, as as others and when they act however they and, and this is important for all our listeners that are christians when we act as christians we need to understand that we do not act as private individuals we act whether we like it or not we act uh, as representatives of the whole Christian community. And we've had another example of that, haven't we, with uh, this Queensland man who's encouraged or coerced his wife to commit suicide. Uh, it comes up in the media that this was a Christian man, a sort of a, a very Christian man, you know, who had a very a strong sense of uh, the coming of Christ. And, uh, and, 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 and the narrative is given that because he wants to build this Christian community, he coerces his wife to commit suicide because she's suffering from physical pain and uh, psychological distress and 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 what do people do they they hear he's a christian man and they go oh another one of those god botherers you know they're mm. such a bunch of hypocrites and this is this is the truth of it uh, and so I, I i think that what the christian community needs to realize is that, that that this is a time to put our house in order you know and, and doesn't the scripture say that it says it's time for the judgments of god to begin with the household of faith and if it begins there where is it going to run to in the long run and charles of course the judgment to begin in the household of faith and when the church is down when the reputation is sullied uh, history will show that there are those who rise up and the reputation is restored. So we're looking for those sorts of leaders who can bring some level of restoration. And, of course, that is a process as well, and, uh, and that will come out of uh, victory in various battles that need to be fought. And, yeah. of course, those who are wanting to sully and keep the reputation of the church down won't be stopping either. They'll be relentless in trying to keep the reputation of the church sullied. But there is a big challenge there. Look, you've also been following along uh, all sorts of issues to do with, you know, uh, the, the, the activity in Western society... Uh, the idea that even there's some level of collapse in Western society and how far young people have swung against the institutions in our society. Uh, what are your thoughts? And I know that there's been a number of reflections that have been coming from some of our best columnists around the country. Yes, uh, um, you know, in this uh, in this uh, role that I'm in, I have uh, some responsibility just to keep an eye on the media. And I've been uh, very interested to see that people like Janet Albrechtson, who's been going at this sort of thing for quite a long time, but in in recent times, Paul Kelly, the senior editor of the Australian, has been uh, very concerned about the, the what he thinks of as the near collapse or the tendency or the trend to collapse in Western society. And um, and so his la latest article where he talks about the three lies corroding cultural unity and functionality. Um, this article is very much on that trend, and I kind of feel a book coming on. I think that Paul's in the process of writing a book because our article after article is on this theme. And um, it's interesting uh, uh, in a, uh, you know, not in a mild way, but in a serious way, um, that, that commentators are concerned about what's happening in Western society and in dem democracies and the way in which attitudes 
toward democracy are shifting. And uh, for instance, as uh, you know, the Lowy Institute um, uh, put out uh, uh, findings, uh, having done a poll of 18 to 29 year old, that 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 uh, uh, that young people, a large percentage, it was something like 58 percent. Oh no, this. Um, um, it says a large a percentage. I'm just trying to find the exact details now, but it was that that the the young people disagree that democracy is preferable to any other kind of government, and uh, and the majority, you know, something like sixty percent, disagree with democracy and and want another kind of government. And the Centre for Independent Studies found that fifty eight percent favour socialism, and and this this is the millennials. You know, they, they don't they haven't experienced socialism. They they know nothing about the the impact of socialism personally, uh, but uh, they are being fed on a diet of the faults and failings of of democracy and the faults and failings of Western civilization and the faults and failings of the church. That's the diet they're being fed, and the and the and the incredible contributions uh, of of democracy and Western society and Christianity to the world. Um, is, uh, are not being included in the conversation, and so no wonder on that kind of diet, they, they are they are coming to the point where they they are about to abandon. Um, democratic institutions. Uh, it's a conversation for another day, Charles, but there is a train of thought uh, that I've come across about this obsession that we have with youthfulness. And everybody wants to ask the young generation uh, what they think and what they hope for the future. But this is the interesting contradiction here. Uh, it's not the young people who have the wisdom and understanding to know what has historically gone on, that has happened, the experience of what makes a society flourish and what doesn't. So this obsession that we have with asking the youth uh, really is a contradiction because uh, the youth don't actually know. You've got to rely on people who are older, people who have experience and have wisdom of life. So uh, there's, there is a conversation for another day about uh, the obsession that we have with youthfulness. Yeah. But can, uh, can I just make a comment here? Sure. You know, I, I think it, it, you're you're referring to the arrogance of education, mm. the arrogance of education, the assumption that because you've studied it in a book or a professor told you that you know better than the person who actually lived through that. Mm. You know, now I'm at this stage in my life when I look back and I remember the Cold War and I remember the political dynamics. I lived it. I experienced it on the streets. And so the difference between that kind of knowledge or that lived experience and a, and a kind of a book knowledge or a or a or a face or a Google knowledge, you know. Um, it, there's, you know, the scripture says, you know, knowledge puffs up. It 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 it, it puffs up. It sort of fills us with a false sense of um, of intelligent intelligence and and importance. And that's Charles, one of the why I find find this process difficult because who are we? We're just people, aren't we? These are opinions, folks. You know what? Uh, I love your opinions. Uh, they are coming, as you say, from someone who has lived through these experiences, uh, are shaped by a biblical Christian foundation. And Charles, uh, love your uh, your opinions. Uh, I'll value them, and we'll certainly be doing this again uh, on our next opportunity. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice Australia. And uh, there'll be some tremendous resources when you go to the website, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. Charles, thanks so much for taking some time to update us today on 2020. It's a privilege, Neil. Thank you. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.